this is Voices of COVID-19. I'm Brian Lucas. Thanks for joining us. There is a ripple effect from coronavirus that is sending waves through all of our stories. It's changing the way that we work and socialize, and it's forcing us to alter our plans and our goals as well. But what if your lifelong goal, something that you've been working for every day since you were a kid, was suddenly taken away by this pandemic? How do you regroup and reset yourself and still try to achieve that goal? Joining me today is Shane Wiskus, a gymnast at the University of Minnesota and an Olympic hopeful. Shane is a junior in college, and in the past year, he has seen his career take off to the point where his dream of competing in the 2020 Olympics was in his grasp. Then the coronavirus pandemic forced the Games in Japan to be postponed for a year. Now Shane is trying to regroup, to stay sharp physically and mentally, and put that new goal on his horizon to be in Japan when the Olympics hopefully take place next year. With that, I'd like to welcome Shane Wiskus. Shane, thanks so much for taking time to talk to me today. Yeah, of course. My first question is, can you tell me a little bit about what life is like for a student athlete under distancing orders? How is life playing out for you both as a student and as an athlete right now? It's really kind of weird. You know, I'm used to going into the gym every single day to work out and um, I'm kind of forced to work out from home and figure out some new exercises that I can do from my room. And um, it's really kind of a challenge. But as time goes on and as things progress, you know, you get better at things. And I've kind of figured out a system that keeps me relatively fit, considering I can't get into an actual gym. But then when it comes to school, you know, it's tough. It's just a lot more tedious having everything online. But you know, it's nice. You can make your own schedule. And as long as you wake up and get your day started, you can kind of get a lot done. So I'm curious because for the average person like me, it's really hard to eat right. It's really hard to be as active as I should be. And my requirements for activity levels are way less than yours. And you usually have a lot of people helping you stay on track with, I'm sure, nutrition and exercise and all the things that you need. How are you figuring that out when you can't go into the facility? Yeah, so not going into the facility has been tough. But at the same time, all those people that were there to help you before are still there. We've had so much help from uh, nutritionists to uh, sports psychologists. And, you know, our weights coach made a list for us of, you know, things that we can do from home with things that we have. So people have still been helping us, even though we can't actually go in to see them. Our weights coach had us send her a picture of everything that we had in our rooms to work out and things that we could use to, you know, lift or uh, just different exercises that we could do. And then she kind of tailored a list of things that we could do from home with those things that we had. So uh, we've been doing weekly Zoom meetings with our coaches, just kind of updating on new changes, you know, saying hi, what's up, seeing how everyone's doing. It's kind of just, you know, become the new normal. And though we can't go in and and do it how we would normally do it, I think people have kind of adapted and are still doing their job and figuring things out from home. What kinds of things do you have around your house that can simulate a, a workout? I actually have like a, a pair of parallettes. It's just like a Uh, two little handles you put on the ground and you can do like press handstands, you know, handstand holds, some planche work, push-ups, ab sequences, 
Um, I have a lot of physical therapy stuff from, from TheraBands to, uh, I have like a body blade for shoulder rehab and like a yoga mat and I can do some things on that. Our our whole team got like a Strava account. It's like a a running app and you can kind of like see what everyone's doing and how far they're running, what their average pace is. And we, our whole team has been running and uh, doing that in addition to the, the tailored workouts that our, our weights coach made for us. For a second, I was imagining you lifting like bags of flour <laughs> that you had around the house. And I was like, that, that doesn't seem like what you'd be used to. And I mean, when it, even when we are doing gymnastics, we're not really lifting weights anyway. It's a lot of body weight exercises and a lot of, you know, calisthenics and stuff like that. So it's kind of staying uh, very similar. We're, we're just pretty much lifting our own bodies. And actually, a lot of people have gotten pretty creative with it. There's a guy from uh, Michigan that actually welded his own base for a pommel horse and then bought an old vaulting table off Craigslist. And, you know, he built his own pommel horse. So he's doing that at home. And then before this whole thing started, two of my teammates brought home like a floor horse that they, that we had at, at, at our gym, uh, at the university. Uh, and they've been doing that almost every single day. So, uh, yeah, people are finding a way. And I, I just think it's really cool that, you know, even, even though we're at home, people are still doing as much as they can to, you know, continue doing the sports that they love. And then it sounds like part of that also is doing your best to maintain some team camaraderie and some team spirit. That has to be particularly challenging right now, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm used to around the time that NCs is happening and you go there, you put everything you have from the season on the table and, you know, you come back, school's coming to a close, you're hanging out with your teammates every single day. And then even when summer starts, you know, not a lot of people go home anyway. We kind of train throughout the year. Uh, So it's kind of weird not having everyone on campus. But uh, I think we're making do with the Zoom meetings and uh, people have been playing or we've all been playing video games together, staying connected that way and through running and, you know, just group messages, you know, you still manage to keep some sort of, you know, team camaraderie going. As this whole thing was starting to roll out, when did you realize that this was going to make such a big impact on you and your athletic career? The NCAA kind of made their decision fairly early. I mean, I remember we were getting ready for our uh, meet against Ohio State. We had two more regular season meets, and that was one of two. And that meet got canceled. And, and once that meet got canceled, I kind of realized that this was going to start speeding up relatively quickly. And then before you knew it, the next week they canceled our, the rest of our season. And, you know, that was obviously very devastating, but for me, I was still focused on U S championships, Olympic trials, and then hopefully Olympic games. So I was really kind of holding on to that hope and, you know, really hoping that that wouldn't have been impacted. But once that hit and once they did make that final decision to postpone the Olympic games, and that's kind of when things really got real for me. Walk me through, what is the process for being on track to go to the Olympics? And where were you in that process? There's three meets during an Olympic year that, you know, count for Olympic qualification. There's a winter cup in the, in the, I think it's February, mid-February. And then you have U.S. championships, which is usually in June. And then you have the Olympic trials, which is usually early July, late June, early July. Last year around this time, I would say that my chances of making the team were very, very slim. Uh, I I hadn't been to a world championships. I hadn't had much international experience at all. 
And, uh, you know, I knew that going into the summer and uh, U.S. championships in August of 2019 was going to be a really important meet for me. I went there. I did really well. I got, I ended up in four, fourth in the all around. I made the national team for the second time. And then I was invited to uh, the world team trials a month later. And then at world team trials, I did really well. I got third. And then um, they selected me to go to world. So then that kind of changed the whole dynamic for me. You know, I went from not being in the conversation at all to being a world team member and finally putting myself in the conversation. So then I went to worlds. I did well. I did my part. I hit my routines. And then after that, you kind of start your Olympic year. So that set me up perfectly for, you know, the three meets I was talking about earlier, Winter Cup, US Championships and Olympic trials. Cause now I had that that experience that I was lacking before of going to a world championships, which is the second biggest stage that you can compete on. So now I was a serious contender for the Olympic games. And then I went to winter cup a couple months ago and got second in the all around. So then I competed at American cup did well. And then I was looking forward to us championships. So I, I was in a really good place considering where I was at last year. It's bittersweet for me because I get to work on, I have more time. I can work on my weaknesses and try to separate myself even more. But then the other, the other part is that you kind of, I felt that I was dealt this really good hand and going into the Olympic run, I was in a really good spot. And then now I kind of have to, you know, redo all that. It's all, you know, kind of washed out and you, you have to hope that everything aligns again and that, you know, you get put in that position again. So Having an Olympic dream is almost something that, that most people can't possibly understand, right? It's, it's so big and it's on such a scale that I think a lot of us can't relate to it. Was there a moment when all of a sudden you almost like allowed yourself to actually have that Olympic dream? Do you remember when you thought to yourself, I can do this and that's on my list of goals now? So I think that the Olympic dream kind of develops as you advance to the sport and you know, every every gymnast when they start out looks at their favorite Olympian and their their idol, and they think, "I want to be just like that one day." And you know, that was me out to a T. I, I looked at John Roethlisberger, Jonathan Horton, uh, Sam McCulloch, even in my early years uh, of being a gymnast, I was like, "I want to be just like them when I grow up and be an Olympian and do all that." And then, as you start to hit different you know, checkpoints through your career, you start to develop that Olympic dream a little more and start to realize that it's more possible than it was before. So for example, you know, you make junior national team for the first time, that's a really good step. You know, you're in that top group of the younger guys and it's kind of almost a necessity to, you know, start early and uh, make those junior national teams so that you get your name out there. And then once you start making senior national teams and you start getting sent abroad, then that that dream just keeps getting deeper and deeper and you start realizing that, you know, it can happen. So I think a lot of people know what it's like to have the dream of being an Olympian. It kind of grows as you start to qualify yourself more and more for that dream. Is it true that you had a calendar with the Tokyo games kind of circled on it or something like that? When I was in high school, I, I started it around sophomore year and I had it going pretty much until I left the house. And then I kind of almost went into a little bit of a dead period where I, I didn't I didn't do that at all for about two years. And then I, I, I put up another uh, at the start of the year counting back down. But there was definitely a, a 
a point in time where I, I wasn't keeping track, but you know, I was always thinking about it. And every day I would wake up with the same thought in my head and going to the gym and giving it my all, uh, push towards that Olympic dream. But I did start out the calendar again, and it's at 449 days to Tokyo. And uh, I think it's definitely something that I'm going to keep doing until the calendar hits zero. Do you remember where you were or how you found out that the games had officially been postponed? I think I was on a meeting with my coach, actually, uh, Kostya. Yeah, we were on a Zoom meeting and we were talking about plans moving forward and how we're going to train and how we're going to get ready for uh, championships at that point was still on. And we we had, I think, a month and a half to prep for that meet. Uh, So we were thinking, you know, even though it's kind of up in the air, like, what are we going to do to prepare for this meet? You know, the Olympic dream is still there. The Olympics are still on. And then I got an email during the meeting that said, I think I actually got a text message from someone that forwarded an article to me about uh, one of the Olympic committee people that had spoken out saying that it was going to be postponed. And I just, I just remember being on that call and my heart just sinking, you know, it's like everything comes crashing down. It's like, you have this NCAA season that gets canceled. You lose eligibility. And then on top of all that, your Olympic dream is put on hold. Yeah. It was definitely silent for a good five, 10 minutes after that. And then you had to go to your calendar, your countdown, and and change it. Yeah, yep. I I actually have a video. It was of me changing it from, I think it was like a hundred something days, and you know, adding three hundred sixty five days to that. It's it was kind of weird. It was almost like I was stepping back in time. Emotionally, what was that like for you to to actually see the days increase again? For a couple weeks it was just really hard mentally to accept the fact that I was dealt this really good hand and wasn't able to play it. And that's kind of the only thing that was on my mind. And I wasn't really thinking about the days or the time that it would take. The only thing that was on my mind was the fact that, you know, I got that hand taken away from me. So I think now that it's been about a month since that was decided, I think I'm definitely in a better mindset and I've kind of accepted the fact that it's, you know, a reality and that this whole thing goes past sports and you just kind of have to accept that everyone's in the same position and everyone's going through it together. So to look at that board and see 450 or 449 days, uh, to me, that's just, you know, adjusting to what's going on. And I'm not even thinking about where I would have been at this point where in the Olympic trial process, I'm only thinking about next year at this point. So does the trial process start over or do you maintain where you were now going into the next round like or or is it back to zero it's pretty much back to zero i mean you have to really prove yourself again meet after meet you know basically instead of having two meets left to determine uh their olympic team they have five meets now to to determine who they want on that team and i was doing really well and got down to two meets and had myself in a really good position and now they just you know, you have to add a couple more meets back in to fill out the year. So I wouldn't say that it goes down to zero, actually. I mean, I think the reputation that I've built for myself in the last year is still there. I just have to keep maintaining, you know, the level of consistency and uh, performance that I was doing before. So it, it definitely put me in a better spot to the selection committee. But there's a lot more opportunity for either other people to prove themselves or for the selection committee to determine who they want. So 
since you and all of your colleagues are not having the same kind of training right now that you normally get, does that change the type of routines that you're going to be able to do? Or, or do you anticipate that you'll be able to get back right and do the, be doing the same things and pushing the envelope the way that you did this year once, once you get back at it? You see people all the time come back from an injury where they can't train for three, four months at a time. And you know the next year they're doing just as much difficulty, if not more than they were before. I think that as long as people maintain some level of fitness that when they come back, it's only a matter of time before they, you know, at least build back the muscle memory that they had for their uh, previous routines and get themselves up to where they were before. I think it'll take about six months for people to uh, get back to the place that they were before this all happened. And then after that, it's just, you know, you keep pushing the envelope, keep trying to get better and, you know, really pushing the boundaries of your own gymnastics. And it's all about muscle memory. Like, you do a skill a million times before you do it in competition. And then when you do it in competition, that's now in your routine. And you, you do that every single day, prepping for every single competition. So you've done that skill so many times. As long as you can get up to that physical fitness, then it's just a matter of doing it. You know, this has been such a hard time for the world, right? With, the, with COVID-19 and everybody's struggling. Everybody's got pain. And it almost seems like the Olympics are going to going to be even more important globally to our collective psyche the next time that we have them. Right. Have you allowed yourself to think what what would it be like to put on that uniform and to march into the opening ceremonies given all the things that have happened to get there? I, I think about this a lot, whether it be due to COVID or not, but it's just kind of one of those things that you you dream of as a boy and you you watch the Olympic Games and you watch the opening ceremonies and you start imagining yourself walking through that arena, you know, even when you're 12, 13 years old watching the Olympic Games. So I think that that image still remains the same. But with the whole coronavirus, I think it's just, it's going to be remembered and especially historical because it, you know, there's not, never been an Olympics that has been pushed back. You know, you've had Olympics be boycotted or canceled due to war or whatever it may be, but they've never postponed or pushed back an Olympic game. So it's definitely going to be a special one to remember. And, you know, no matter what you do, if you're there, you're going to be remembered for a long time. There will be a moment when you get out there again, right? When maybe you have your first meet after all of this, what's it going to be like for you when you, when you actually can get out there and compete and be part of a team again? I've put a lot of thought into this just because of, uh, you know, a season being cut short and seeing one of my closest friends get a his senior season ripped away from him, it really, you know, puts in puts it in perspective and you start thinking about, you know, what's it gonna be like when this is all over? Like when when I'm done being an athlete and when I retire, you know, what's it gonna be like? And I think this is a really good time to reflect and imagine, you know, get a taste of what it it'll be like when you no longer have gymnastics or sport to occupy your time i predict that when i come back i'm, I'm not going to take anything for granted and you know I'm, i miss it so much and i miss being with my team and i miss practicing normal practices and wearing the m on my chest wearing team usa on my chest and i i think it, that if there's one thing that comes out of all of this is that no one's going to ever take advantage of those opportunities ever again well thank you so much for taking the time i wish you the best of luck 
going forward and I'll you know watch your progress with great interest and, and hopefully uh, get to cheer you on as it goes forward yeah thank you so much Voices of COVID-19 is an attempt to document the thoughts and feelings of people who are perhaps outside the limelight to get personal reflections on how a pandemic impacts all of our lives. Please subscribe to this podcast and join us for our next episode where we'll hear from a university student in Guatemala about how that country is dealing with COVID-19 and some of the unique challenges that they're facing. If you know of someone who might make a good guest on this podcast, please send them to me at brian at truevoicecommunications.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay separate. And we'll get through this together.